Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Craig Fitzpatrick, hosting No Encore, episode 327. Yes, we're having another one of our episodes, but it's a good one. It's going to be a very good one. I'm full on hosting mode this week. Um, Dave is probably on airplane mode. He's probably listening to this on his flight to Toronto, as is his want. He's on holidays. I'm nearly on holidays as well, so it's going to be a... A kind of light and breezy episode, I'm hoping. Like it's going to be a casual, maybe pre-drinks vibe, um, according to a co-host here. Um, speaking of which, um, we're also, of course, joined by Sonic Architect Adam, who's tucking into a dish of something and waving currently. As zen as ever. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, you caught me off guard, Craig. So I, had a, I had a mouthful of uh, chicken tikka masala. Um, Don't choke. And also, what a way to go. I have to apologize for my audio fidelity this week. It's absolutely awful because I, the microphone that I had was sequestered back to the studio. So unfortunately, you're stuck with me for anything that is being thrown to me this week, sounding like I'm coming through, I don't know, some kind of robotic force field or something like that. It's going to be great. Well, listen, yeah, don't apologize to me. Don't apologize to the listener. But one listener, Dave. <laughs> Dave's the only one that will have an issue with it. So <laughs> suck on a man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I will say totally worth it for the use of the word sequestered there. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. I've been reading. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading many, many books. Leather bound books. Yeah, I've got nothing else sad. Uh, cool then we'll move on to our other co-host then shall we laughing in the background an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be joined once again after nearly i think two years too long too long welcome back too too many years too long i'm gonna clap for myself i am thrilled 
to be back. I love the podcast. Thanks for doing it. We don't Anytime finish I'm business. here, it feels like such an honor. Loved the Kendrick review. Just to shout that out. If anyone oh, hasn't really? listened to it, go back and listen to it now. That's your homework. Um, just a flag as well. I will not be using words like sequestered or fidelity throughout that. So cool. We've got to, Adam for that. That's absolutely yeah, fine. Just so people know what they can expect and like the setting the standard and everything else. So. Good to know. Good to know. We did actually have you on more recently. I think maybe only a year and a half ago for our quiz off. Do you remember that? Yes. It's like the Kickstarter I don't want to talk about that because you, Why? What? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because, because I... I lost in bad faith and you're cheering. In bad faith? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. That's 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 my theory and I'm sticking to it. Okay. I was in the lead for so long. Just something doesn't add up there, you know what I mean? There was that's a lot of pressure. I, I found it extremely stressful. I hate when like Dave puts me on the spot for a few questions with no competition. So that was just a big deal. And you know what? There was a lot of people that got in touch afterwards that were like extremely cocky and were just like, both of you were... Pretty shambolic and terrible. I thought we did quite well, actually. That is the fucking rudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. We did. I thought. I thought we did very well. And that's, I thought we did that's great. Dave. A- that's Dave the masochist and his quizzes that just are designed to fry your brain. Like that's it. That's on him. That's not on us. That's on him. <laughs> very true. Okay, I'm going to do a segue. Speaking of contests and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a Sorry. catch up. Um, what have you been up to for the last two years, first of all? What have I been up to for the last two years? Um, great question. Moving house. The rental oh crisis is still happening, would you believe? Um, yeah, we're going to have an entire segment on that in part yeah. three, right? So. Yeah, that's me. That's that's why I'm here. Um, what else did I do? Nothing really. Finished up a podcast. Still on the Instagram it's ban- okay, Sitting so we should around. say ba- Bandwagons is no more. Is bandwagons that- is unfortunately no more, yeah. Because there were some was... massive live shows, right? Things were yes. going great and yes. it was just... We did, um we did two nights at Liberty Hall in last November and it was incredible. Um, those episodes are up online if people want to go listen we, to we them. Could and we do did that, one Adam. night in Cork. Yeah. We probably couldn't do Cork. Um, <laughs> oh Liberty no, we Hall. wouldn't let you into Cork, sorry. We've no, done no, wheelers. No, no. Yeah. Oh, we're not allowed yeah. in Cork, full stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked. Okay. No, you're not. Sorry. <laughs> you're our court royalty. Um, yeah, if people don't know, you'd... you'd go, sorry, go ahead there, Adam. Sorry, I just want to jump in. Finale, are you kidding me? You haven't mentioned, like, the most important thing that you've done in the last... Oh, yeah, so well, the little question I of that segue. I was just... Yeah, and the contest. I was just, just going to... You know, I, I don't like to brag about, you know, being the first winner of the Bureau de Change contest, uh, undefeated, undisputed, you know. I don't like to brag, but I did do that um, last month, so. With a song. With a song, sonically engineered by the lovely Adam. It was him. It was all him. It was a 50-50 win. That's also why he's coaxing me to bring it up. So you've been collaborating creatively without me, without Dave. This is what's happened. Um, let's get into it because this seemed incredible um, from your amazing win to um, an ex-colleague of mine Peter McGann's star turn I think as what was Johnny Super Duper Johnny Super Duper, Johnny Super Duper. Yeah. And I only say he's star turn I wasn't at the show I wasn't on the guest list or anything like that sold out it was very successful um, but I saw a photo <laughs> of him being ably assisted not by Adam but a uh, courgette I think down the front of his trousers so it looked it great. It was <laughs> frightening. And at one, uh, so he threw, I actually don't know what happened to the courgette towards the end of the night, but it ended up like in pieces across the ends of, all across the stage. And I had to perform 
not once, but twice more because there was like a sing off. It was me up against Tony Cantwell for oh. the crown. And I was in like not massive heels. They were moderate heels. And I had not massive choreography, but I would say like light to moderate choreography. And corsets are very slippy to stand on, would you believe? So it was, it was, I'm surprised I got through it, to be honest, unscathed. Um, I really hope the Sugar Club have looked at their insurance policy for corsets and slippage and all that jazz since. But yeah, incredible night. It's on Bandcamp if anyone wants to get the song. It's called oh. Bimbo. Um, and all the proceeds go to um, the Scoops Ukraine Fund. So yeah. Amazing. So sorry, this song was just written from scratch sonically architected from scratch the whole kind of gist was write a song and then perform it yeah I agree to it thinking oh it's me and uh, me and comedians and we're going to impersonate other Eurovision contestants and then we had a Zoom meeting the end of January and it was like how's everyone's song coming along and I was like (laughs) sorry (laughs) so I shot the bed and then the ultra competitive person in me was like well I have to win like I can't I can't do bad it has to be absolutely perfect Um, so I had a chorus and like a verse written and then had an idea of a melody and then met Adam and Adam was like okay let's not do that melody because it wasn't it wasn't there it wasn't 100% there it wasn't in my vocal register either I would say okay. um, and then Adam brought the lute he brought the Cypriot lute because I was supposed oh, to be representing Cyprus tremendous um, going full he brought sting. everything oh, yeah. you know I brought I brought the dumb bitch attitude he brought the production value and together you know Taylor Swift and Max Martin they've been quiet since that's all I'll say very quiet. It was uh, it was one of the highlights of my career. Genuinely, was so much fun. Like what a what a good night. What a great idea. <clears throat> but Aoife, the organizer, pulled me aside. Like afterwards, she's like, "We're doing it next year. You're not allowed to do more than one song. <laughs> You're not allowed." Because you did Tonys as well. You did Disco Bitch, which too, is yeah. so good. How did so, you find so the process, good. Adam? Uh, me, I loved it. Um, the fact that I have a perfect record, I think, speaks for itself. Yes, um, of course. It's a good it, you know? First um, and second, like. First and second. It was joined first. It was joined first. Politically, that could be, you know, taken one way or the Adam, other. Adam, don't. Tony Cantwell's been in your ear, and I don't appreciate it. I'm hasn't. the people's princess. He actually has. Well, I mean, let's face first. it. The, the winner is the winner, and it was, well, so well deserved. It was. Like, I also such brought. Buzz. Raw sex appeal that I don't think Tony did to be honest. And I'm, I'm I, yeah, I'm well, I mean, that's not fair. Again. He's not here so to have it, you know, respond in fairness. The man is. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have it out again. 2023, Bjorn Yeah, I'll see him there. Craig on the guest list. Um, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, I'm also getting concerned how in demand Adam is. We need to keep him tethered to this show. So I think the only way to do that is for people to flood him with cash. Patreon.com forward slash no encore if you want to help us out. Retain hey, a Craig. sonic architect. Oh, cash, cash or no cash, I'm going nowhere. I love this place. Oh, well, that's a relief. Um, he will be helping us produce free content, bonus content when you're a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash no encore. Yeah, for behind the... Um, no, we, we we have no aux cord, which is our like our monthly recommends corner. Should check out. We've got weekly updates. There's a whole load of stuff. Q and A's. Um, it's all happening. So if you can spare us the price of a pint, that would be tremendous. But you don't have to. This is all free. And coming up for free over the next little while is Harry Styles album review. Very excited for this one. <sighs> I'm scared. Vanilla, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, scared, but I'm excited. Yeah, I. Well, we did I, Kendrick last week, and it just took so much out of me that I was like, "Okay, we're just getting a kind of light and breezy pop album." 
But it turns out yeah. to be that as another question. But I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy to be sticking on Harry last Friday, you know? That's completely fair. That is completely fair. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Also, keeping it breezy, we've got the top five songs that feature whistling. Um, Craig, what was the context of this again, of me suggesting this last time? Okay, you... (laughs) Can you, uh, yeah, because when you said it again, I was, like, I was like, oh yeah, gas. And then when it came around to picking them again this week, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? This is really hard. But I got there. And when then, you so suggested it, it two years ago, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because I was like, <laughs> I think you initially were just like, I'm really into songs with whistling at the moment. It was that. And it was also songs that featured phone calls, which is what we ended up doing, which was yeah. a tremendous all-timer top five. Um, so I think just like that one was so good that ever since I'm just like, okay, I was doubt, I was doubting Thomas to begin with, mm. but FJ mm. pulled it out of the bag. So I've got to mm. go with the whistling songs and there's loads of options. I, I'm not a big whistling guy. Um, <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> so I was thinking initially at the start of the week, will I go for like worst whistling songs? There's a lot of annoying ones out there, but actually there's a wealth of great stuff out there. So I'm keeping it positive this week. Yeah, I, I, I'd I, be very interested to see if there's any crossover this week at all. Because I, I don't think there is. I, there's really? one that I'm like, probably. And then the rest I'm like, absolutely not. Have you and gone I'm just, super I cannot like esoteric? Wait. I cannot, I cannot wait for Dave to listen to this because I feel like I'm Goldilocks coming into his podcast, eating his porridge, like <laughs> wrecking up the bed because when he listens to my top five, I think he's going to be overcome with rage and that's all I ever want when I guest on Noah Gore. <laughs> <laughs> listen, he's on his holidays. He's in Toronto. I believe he's going to, what band is it again? It's either Slipknot or Corn or, do you remember Adam, Bowling for Soup? He's going to one of those. He's going to have a tremendous time. I, I can tell you it's not Bowling for Soup. I believe it's Corn. No, it is. Sorry. Is it not Slipknot? Because did, Slipknot. He not say, did he not say that it's like going to be the, this will be the seventh yes. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's definitely 100% Slipknot. We were only joking. Of course, we always listen to Dave. Um, <laughs> I did listen to him <laughs> tell me that he was going to a different show this week. It was My Chemical Romance. I was not at it. Adam didn't go. He was offered tickets. Vanula, you weren't at it either. Yeah, I I also got offered tickets and I was thinking about it. I wasn't offered tickets. Here, like, just you, you need to get different <laughs> friends because, sorry, they're not they're not bringing it to Bjorn de Change and they're not I bringing it to I used to be in the biz, guys. I used to be in the biz. I kind of wish I went now. I was never, like, I'm a fallout boy gal. Like, I feel like yeah, you're either yeah, my yeah, chemical romance or fallout boy gal or one of the others. Um, so I, I was more of a strokes gal. Gone. Like I, I, that kind of emo <laughs> strand passed me by. Yeah. Do you know, I was already yeah. committed to, yeah. Yeah, you were right into indie sleaze. You but were I, like, fuck this. Yeah, but I did have that kind of thing this week of just seeing so many people be super excited. Like this nostalgia for a time that I knew was happening, but was in a like parallel, a parallel to me. And I had loads of friends who were into it, but it was just like, that wasn't my thing. So I did feel like I was missing out. I loved seeing all the goths and the emos in town. That yeah. gave me so much. It was Big just like, Central you could just immediately vibes, knew where they were going. Vibes, yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Loved that for them. So Dave went and I'm sure he had a whale of a time. Um, let's find out, will we? Because <laughs> it's his week off. So of course he recorded some content for the show. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. Oh, he's the oh worst. Oh my God. That's about as much as you're going to get though, really, like, is it? I, like, I don't know what else I was expecting. 
as a I review. thought he'd go into a big socio-political thing about like them uh, all shouting "fuck the queen" when Jared Way I'm just su- yeah. innocently brought up you the didn't facts. That. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, anything that for was the gag, though. Like, you know? Oh, co- that was comedy in its purest form of just the absolute sincerity of talking about performing for Queen Elizabeth just be met with a chorus of boos and then an even louder chorus of fuck the queen and just Jared Wade just shrugging being like just going with all right it. on to yeah. the next one let's, let's keep it moving folks That's let's keep it moving fair enough um yeah <laughs> bravo to everyone involved um Queen seems like a nice lady if she's still alive, but um, she's not still alive, Craig. She's not. No, no. She was a no. very nice lady, and now she's a very nice weekend at Bernie's Tall Corpse. That's <laughs> enjoying her jubilee <laughs> celebrations. Um, that is our top story in the news. No, it's not. <laughs> Let's go into the actual news. Hey, you heard about the good news? Yeah. Uh, quickly, I guess before we go into our. Um, round up here I should mention just it was kind of slightly passing me by but the sad passing of uh, Cahill Coughlin this week another Cork legend Fanula, um songwriter of great note with Micro Disney Fatima Mansions um, I'll just kind of say that much because there was a kind of real outpouring uh, of love and appreciation for the talents and um, how kind of untimely the passing was on Irish Twitter um, I was no kind of expert on the man or his music uh, outside of the, enjoying a couple of songs um, as yet. Well, There's a deep dive waiting to happen, but um, yeah, really sad. And he seemed to be in a huge kind of purple patch as well musically. Um, there was a new Telefiche project, I think last year with Jackknife Lee, um, which just sounded tremendous. Um, a colleague of mine, James Keller, did the visuals for that, which are tremendous. So I'd say seek that out and all the rest of um, his, his incredible back catalogue. So just to note that. Um, and also Ray Otto passed away. Did everyone see this? We I didn't know. talk about every show. I saw, I saw uh, Brian Lloyd, uh, he's the writer for Entertainment Audio. He had posted, he just posted obviously a, like a picture of him on his stories. And I was like, that's a bit weird because I hadn't seen the news yet that he died. So I was yeah. like, all right, he's just sharing this unprompted. And then I saw it. I was like, this is the fucking worst way to find out. It was just, oh, so sad and so young. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And seem to be doing good work as well recently enough. Hmm. Um, it's interesting the kind of, it like it popped up in a couple of WhatsApp groups just as I was r- arriving home to do the show. And it seems to be this curse of the show, like Prince will die five minutes before we get on and record a show or Ray Liotta will pass away. But like some, some groups of friends are kind of just like sad news, Ray Liotta, and then other people continue with their conversations. But there's hmm. like one group in particular, which was like the lads, <laughs> just everyone just immediately in hysterics and devastated. <laughs> It and quoting Goodfellas. <laughs> it's just like just that will continue tools, like. yeah, for the weekend. Um, but yeah, absolute legend. Um, very, very sad passing. Now, the actual news that Fanula, you know what you're getting into. Um, I guess I would say ahead of this that the hard truth is if you're Martin Scorsese and you've you're trying to make Goodfellas today. The studio wouldn't release it until Joe Pesci's <laughs> funny house speech went viral on TikTok. Certainly if the music industry is anything to go by, because Halsey has come out over the past week and said that her label are withholding a new song that she has written and recorded that she really wants to put out until they can fake a viral TikTok with it. Um, and there's been a kind of collage of other artists saying similar stuff about just getting badgered by their label to produce content, try and get viral. Um, 
quotes from Halsey here are my record company is saying that I can't release it unless they can fa- fake a viral moment on TikTok. Everything is marketing and they are doing this to basically every artist these days. Um, she said back in March that she was writing new music. She was going to make a pop album. The quote actually is great from her on IG. Due, due to personal reasons, I will be making a pop album. Which is <laughs> such a bit solemn way to say that. <laughs> Anytime I'm like off sick or something, my work thing is just going to be to, due to personal reasons, I am making a pop album. That was um, me if you were to change, like fully like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently she's got this incredible song, but she can't do anything with it yet because like marketing and as someone that kind of works in marketing just makes me sad. Fanula, as a social media expert, I'm turning to you. I don't know much about TikTok. I've had to like download it for my job a few times and then I got rid of it and I'm kind of baffled by it. I realise I'm in like old man at 33, you know, bullshit stakes here, but does this sound like a, a legit thing? I think there is some legitimacy to it because I think even Halsey themselves, because people said in the comments, you know, you've clearly said this to create your own viral moment, which they did. We're talking about it. It's been talked about for the full week. And they, uh, Halsey kind of responded and said, I wish this was a joke. It's, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially said, this isn't a joke. Like this isn't a bit, this is a hundred percent true. Um, but I know like, as you said, like other artists have come out against it. Florence the Machine obviously just dropped their new record. I think it was last week, Dance Fever, I'm pretty sure. Um, And they had come out and said and posted a TikTok being like, the label wants me to make lo-fi TikTok. So it's just her like doing little covers because again, she's the most opposite end TikTok artist you can imagine. FK Twigs. um, There's been a few others. It's, I find, I find this conversation endlessly fascinating because there's the side of it that's like, obviously you have to utilize social media during the promotion cycle and you're going to have artists who are more suited to this and who are better at social media in general, not just TikTok. You look at like how Cardi B utilizes like Twitter and how she's really good at that. Uh, Musicians who are good at marketing on TikTok already, like Lizzo, Charlie Poots, that kind of crack. And I mean, that's kind of par for the course. I suppose it shouldn't have to be a thing where it's like this whole thing of creating a fake viral moment is insane to me. But then you look at, I suppose, the most recent example of TikTok's or Lizzo's most recent single about damn time kind of went nowhere right until this gal did a dance to it to the bit of the verse and it's super viral now and everyone's talking about it and I know more about it you'd kind of there'd be eyebrows raised there as to how that kind of came about again you go back to the point that Lizzo's good at TikTok that could have well come about organically yeah I don't know I, I the one thing I will say is I find it hard to hear this kind of rhetoric from major label artists and like artists who aren't necessarily struggling when you look at the likes of I know self-esteem went on a big Twitter thread about it and the pressure that she's kind of faced in you know making music and trying to forge a career and having to you know do the content alongside the art when it's like the art and the music should be the focus um, yeah. And I know Orla Gartland had a really good video up on her own TikTok where she was like, I like, I love TikTok. I love the platform. I understand why people really like it. But she also kind of made the same point as me to be like, it's really hard to listen to these, essentially these major players complain yeah. about having to make TikToks for songs when they're like screaming for exposure and to be heard. And, you know, it's, and it's a tricky one because again, you go, the other other side of the coin then is, are you? Are we going to see people 
writing songs purely so they'll satisfy an algorithm. Like, are you... But I think that's already been done. You look at Drake and you look at, like, Tootsie Slide, yeah, which was fully written... Really fasc- fascinates me. And maybe not yeah. the Tootsie Slide. Tootsie Slide? Because that was just so blatant and it was almost like... I'm not going to say it was beneath Drake because I don't think anything's really beneath Nothing Drake. Nothing is beneath Drake. But yeah. it was so obvious for him. He's usually actually just slightly ahead of the curve enough to kind of do it subtly and in a way that's still... That was the first moment I, where I saw him just being like, this feels kind of desperate. Now, obviously it worked mm. because he's huge, but it was just... Like, I've just felt for years that he is... The way he writes songs and hooks and particularly bars and songs, like, I don't think he's a kind of rapper's rapper really but he always comes up with like a memorable line and these kind of bite-sized things that can be used really well just as kind of repeatable TikTok stuff he's he's kind of the perfect artist at doing that he knows what's Mm -hmm. kind of just resonate with people and will just become a meme like he creatively he produces memes so naturally um and yeah, do you think that is now a consideration for like pop songwriters that like instead of the big chorus, it has to be like the funny sound effect that might just get used or like a Roddy Rich, the box kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think even if it's not like a thing, if it's not a hook for like a dance or whatever, it's definitely a thing of like, here's a line. I think we moved from, you know, the way people used to use Drake lyrics all the time for Instagram captions. Yeah, yeah. Like now it's like we moved on to we need a funny thing. As you said, like a quip that people will use Relatable as part of a trend kind of, yeah, yeah. in TikTok. Yeah. And as I said, sometimes I think it happens organically. You have the likes of, you know, Olivia Rodrigo Sour was like rolled out of it on TikTok because it was just like it had those lines and it appealed to that audience. Rolled out of it was not the correct <laughs> phrase fair, to yeah, use, yeah. but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just, it's a weird one because it, again, I'd love like your marketing perspective on it because it's just like, we're, I get, it goes back to the point, we're talking about this now, we're talking about Halsey at a point where we might not have been talking about them, you know? So I just, and yeah. Charlie XCX even came out, she was another artist who had one of those TikToks up where it was like posting my eighth TikTok of the day because the label told me to. And then when this conversation reignited again, she came out and was like, I was fully I was lying, yeah. You know, like, and she's kind of playing that into, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the meta thing is part of it, right? So this has become now this big conspiracy of just like, they're only complaining about having to create fake virality to, you know, actually go viral. So it becomes this Mm. weird rabbit hole of just, everything is just so self-referential at this point. I kind of feel like everything works, but only 1% of the time. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, no, it does. It does, 100%. Which just makes my job impossible. Um, so I'm really hoping the podcasting takes off. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash no encore. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Oh, what a co-host. Um, let's retire to um, the sanctuary that is Facebook. And there, oh no, there is a middle-aged man burning tickets to a, an Olivia Rodrigo show on Facebook Live. Um, yeah, this is the story of self-proclaimed millionaire Doug Wood, good to know, um, from Arizona, who took to Facebook to complain about Olivia Rodrigo and her demands uh, for negative COVID tests um, before attending her show. So he'd done a very nice thing. He'd got tickets for his daughter and all of her friends and then uh, the kind of stipulations that were there on like the tickets, (laughs) like he finally read them, which is kind of a shocker to me. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't like the kind of the lack of um, 
freedom. I'm going to use some hashtags he used in some of his posts. Hashtag freedom. <laughs> hashtag hold the line. Hashtag patriot. Uh, take a stand, USA. And yeah, as he said himself in the caption, I'm like, what the heck? Oh, hell no. COVID's <laughs> over and down to a common cold. And it's also just very minor political theatre now by the far left. Nope. Olivia Rodrigo and her sour tour are, very dem- are, are demanding every 12-year-old girl or guy and older are fully bullshit and boosted. <laughs> Not happening. And <laughs> so anyway, there's there's video online of him um, theatrically himself burning the tickets and I just wanted to point out that they're of course printouts like they're not <laughs> they're not real tickets <laughs> like, I'm sure he just quietly then sold the tickets <laughs> you know oh, fully I mean? like fully I but just uh, it's big pack any toy show ripping them up on live TV oh, yeah, energy, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like just yeah, oh my dad, god like, come pick up your dad yeah come um, collect your dad he's burning <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo tickets again for fuck's sake <laughs> Oh, but also this like thing of like her being maybe a far left plant. Do you know what I mean? Just to the one of, thing I would say is like who I, if it's his daughters or whatever. Well, ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, goes without saying. But like, if you're that big of a fan that you're spending that much money on them, like assuming they're like meet and greet tickets or whatever, assume or like whatever you get to go in early, whatever. Like, surely you followed her long enough to know that she was in with Fauci and the White House and was pleading during whatever hundredth lockdown we were in to Americans to just get bloody vaccinated. Like it's, it kind of beggars belief. Like just America does be American and like, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's keep Americaning for the next story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, America's a grim place these days. So we, we find the kind of lighthearted stuff where we can and we're going to Arkansas. We're staying, staying shockingly in the Southern States. Uh, The birthplace of the country music legend, Johnny Cash. A man in Kingsland has been arrested for shooting a tribute to the late musician. And um, I kind of just picked out the story so I could write the headline. I don't know, Fnul, if you've got it in front of you. <laughs> I shot a man in Kingsland just to make him pee. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of that. <laughs> so essentially, Probably right, this, too proud, but it, yeah, did, it yeah. did tickle me. I'm not going to lie, it did tickle me. So... The town has got this silhouette of Johnny Cash painted on a huge water tower, which is like the most cliche kind of Arkansas thing ever, which is amazing. But this dude, um, clearly has good aim. He shot the silhouette in the crotch area and it being a water tower, a steady stream of water is, um, okay, a time of writing, is now flowing from the tower. <laughs> I love the fact it's just still going. <laughs> this is ruining the water f- supply for people. So, you know, he should, you know. He's a felon. He should be. So he's don't been laugh arrested. that much. It's, yeah. Laugh the appropriate laugh a little bit. It's kind yeah. of artistic. Um, according to TMZ, Timothy Sled has been arrested. Uh, he received two felony charges, one for impairing the operation of a vital public utility. Bad. And another another for criminal mischief. Just kind Good. Of, yeah, not, <laughs> not the worst. Uh, Fox 16 News first highlighted the issue saying that the tower's huge capacity of 50,000 gallons um, Oh, because of because of the capacity, the artwork has been peeing for over a week. <laughs> Go to the doctor, man! Jesus Christ! Oh, uh, it's led to discoloured household water for the town's three hundred forty-seven residents, which is not great. No water oh, pressure. Bad. You don't want that. Bad. No. Um, <laughs> I feel like we need Johnny to go back Cash to that man's prove, aim, though. though. That's impressive. And well, his he aim was true and clearly like, very good. Yeah. Come on. Like, that's obviously low water pressure, bad. Discoloured household water, bad. Aim, good. 
Uh, fun? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very fun. Sticking with, unfortunately, I guess, male members. Um, completely by accident. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> We can just move on from the new section at any moment. Uh, this episode is very phallic, word. actually. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, a cast of Jimi Hendrix's penis is set to be unveiled in Iceland next month. It's the Philological Museum, which is like not a reason to go to Iceland. I've never Did been. Did you know that was a thing? Yeah, I, no. when I read this, I was like, I, I love no encore. So many opportunities to learn. I've always tourism. wanted to go to like Reykjavik. I've always wanted to go to Iceland. It's like my main thinking was Northern Lights. And um, now, Northern Lights number one, Phallological Museum number two. There you I go. I mean, Northern Lights are kind of seasonal. Um, so it's the philological... Phalluses are forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can see Jimi Hendrix's member. So this was donated by um, the Plastercaster, who's kind of infamous, um, Cynthia Albritton, who sadly passed away earlier this year. She donated just before she passed away. So she was kind of famous in the 60s and 70s for being a kind of... Um, like a, a loud and proud groupie, but also an artist who kind of owned her connections with musicians and made kind of these casts of Peach Ellie, Richard Lloyd, Wayne Kramer, a whole bunch of stars. She was immortalized in a song by Kiss. Uh, Gene Simmons wrote a song called Plastercaster for um, <laughs> for Kiss's 1977 album Love Gone, which included the lyric, the plaster's getting harder and my love is perfection, a token of my love for her collection. Um, <laughs> she did not work with Gene Simmons. <laughs> we got to hear she had extremely high standards and was just like, no, no if I don't like your music, I'm not doing the artwork. And there's actually a good Guardian piece, like a tribute piece on her. And it's interesting just looking at kind of like where she stood in terms of the feminist movement at the time and how she was kind of taking ownership of like the power dynamic with these musicians. And there's some um, kind of sweet quotes as well, just about like how the musicians got on during this process, which is quite delicate and like artistic. And a lot of people were extremely nervous. It seems like Jimmy wasn't um, because it's going to be proudly displayed in Iceland. (laughs) You can check it out. Um... There are also, yeah, what else can you see in the Philological Museum? You can see displays of penises and penile parts from every single mammal in Iceland as well, as well as many foreign species for a total of nearly 300. Um, so check that out. And Very then well. maybe if you want more PG content, you can get an NFT of some Ringo Starr artwork. How sorry, Dave, sorry. Doing NFT I really stuff for, thought yeah. the news cycle had moved past NFTs. Yeah, I like, thought I like, really... the bottom completely fell out of it, right? Who, who, like is, who is in Ringo Starr's ear being like, this This is the fucking month to do it? June 2022 after <laughs> everyone and has had a think piece Everyone's being like, broke. Yeah. yeah, but like, there's no money in this. These are terrible for the environment. Like, stand down, Ringo. Like, talk about a terrible team. I know. We've talked about it before in the show, but that clip of Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton chatting about their, their apes is just haunting. Hypes, I've gone back to it a few truly. times and I'm just like, this is the most uncanny valley, bizarre. To it's be in that audience. Scare. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Imagine. It's a, it's a imagine, slow motion jump scare is what it is. No, I- aliens come to Earth tomorrow and you have to show them one piece of media as to why we're corrupt and horrible and we deserve to invade it. You show them that. Like, it's bad yeah. belief. Yeah, that's fair. I picked out the story just because I feel like if there's any musician that, like, 
genuinely could release an like an artwork piece of NFT, a piece of NFT, like it's a piece a of vinyl or something. So. <laughs> it would be Ringo though, right? Because he's like a renowned painter of really, really bad paintings. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does. Yeah, I suppose he does have the credentials. Have any of the rest of them done it? No. Well, the Beatles. Which ones well, of them are still alive? It's just, yeah, it's just him and Paul, Paul is it? Sorry, yeah, Paul know. hasn't done it, has he? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Christ, there might be I'm like an NFT of like <laughs> Paul McCartney with two thumbs up. I don't know. Oh um, god, he's very wholesome. I'd imagine there's yeah. a plaster cast of like Paul McCartney's two thumbs. Do you know what I mean? That would have been uh, his definitely. vibe more. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Ringo stuff is called the creative mind of a beetle. Um, there's a Banksy-esque self-portrait. There's two hybrid works. Um, there's a whole online gallery. I think this makes sense for Ringo. And my rationale is that he was a pioneer in the world of MS Paint. So where technology and commerce intersects with art. Check out his you know stuff, what? by the way, guys, if you haven't seen yeah. his paintings. They're, they're not terrible. They're, they're really right. interesting. Um, one thing I would say is describing something as Banksy-esque, I feel like you're already losing. You oh know, yeah, that's 100%. the only thing I will say. Yeah, Banksy-esque stuff should be in the dustbin with NFTs. One man who should not be in the dustbin and uh, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, thankfully, is Mick Jagger, um, former rival of Ringo Starr. I don't know. <laughs> Love that tenuous link. Sure. Know, I'm sure at some point they exchanged crosswords. <laughs> he's been, speaking of crosswords, Sunday Times conducted. <laughs> <laughs> Craig! I'm, I'm applauding myself. Oh. They've been chatting to Mick Jagger. Oh, Adam is groaning. Are you keeping that that bit of the mic in, Adam? Or are you that, taking that, it out? That'll stay in. in. But as well, just while I have oh, you. My shame um, will stay we, in. Yes, Adam. We have received uh, urgent breaking audio, quote unquote, from Dave. So at. Oh, okay. Uh, after this news, after this news story, I think we should we should maybe throw to that. I haven't listened Jesus to it yet, but Christ. it's only thirty six seconds long. Can, oh, like man. someone is surgically removed that man's phone from his hand. Let, like it's take unreal. that, Dave. He's always on the beat. He's always on the beat. Really always is. On the beat. An- another man that's always on the beat is Mick Jagger, who <laughs> 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 talking to the Sunday Times. Um, it's quite sweet, really. He was talking about. Um, Charlie Watts who sadly passed away earlier this year and just like the vibe because they just immediately continued touring I think their first gig post Charlie Watts was like for uh, an American billionaire who rented out a stadium for his birthday and I'm just like Rolling Stones like what are you doing at this stage you're 80 yeah. years old um, do you, you don't need the money that bad Mick surely yeah, do you? do you? I don't know there must have been some, maybe they were probably friends. They're probably like investors together. I don't know. Oh, probably what Charlie would have wanted. Who knows? Mm, um, yeah. But he says, yeah, I don't really expect him to be there anymore if I turn around during a show. But I do think about him not only during rehearsals or on stage, but in other ways too. I would have phoned him up and talked about last night's Arsenal game because he sported Tottenham and I'm Arsenal. I miss him as a player and as a friend. There's another nice little bit where he goes, in the show, when we come to the front about the end, there's no Charlie. He'd always be the last one down. I'd go, come on. What have you got to do? He'd be fiddling with his sticks because he always had to have them in a row before he'd get off the seat. It was really sweet for the Rolling Stones. That is very sweet, yeah. Very sweet. He goes on to talk about um, another pop star who we're going to start talking about in a little bit, Harry Styles, and the comparisons between the two, which it's been called out over the years. Some of his quotes are kind of interesting here. He initially starts by saying they have an easy relationship, which if anyone says, like, if someone said about me, yeah, um, me and Craig have have an easy relationship, I'd immediately be thinking, that person hates me. (laughs) (laughs) 
right? Like, what it means relationship. nothing. It's the most nonsense descriptor for a relationship ever. Like, but and it doesn't. It would make sense if he was being really because we're obviously going to talk about his next comments. It would make sense if he's been really, you know, not really getting into that debate or comparisons. But then he just goes on to slate him. So then I'm just like, what are you, what are you saying, Mick? Come on, yeah, what are does. you saying? He says um, he doesn't think there's really any musical or artistic similarities between him and Harry. He says, um, I mean, I used to wear a lot more eye makeup than him. Come on, I was much more androgynous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were, Mick. Yes, you were. I love that this is what he's getting his knickers in a twist about, though. But like, I do get it because the comparisons are always made. But I don't think when people say it, though, I think they mean aesthetically more than really anything else. I know... Harry borrows heavily from those decades or whatever, but I don't think anyone is like legitimately being like he's very Jagger-esque, like because he's just kind of pretty Englishmen with long hair, yeah. And they wear and who wear who wear blouses, like which is fine, like with good taste, yeah. Um, yeah. He continued on, and he doesn't have a voice like mine or move on stage like me. He just has a superficial resemblance to my younger self, which is fine. He can't help that. What a neg! Ten out of ten. Honestly, incredible. Yeah, he goes on to talk about like how he's still doing it and he's clearly still doing it because like he wants to stop the likes of Harry Styles. Like he's just like, I can't retire. No one will replace me. It does. It like it gives kind of big old man yells a cloud vibes, which again, to be fair, I get it must be you have to say something because you're constantly asked about it. But I don't know, just seems a little bit, a little bit unnecessarily mean, especially if you're going from we have an easier relationship, aka like we get on, like we'd be polite in circles or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of like, just be, shut up, Mick. Like, I, I f- yeah, I feel like if he was an artist in his 40s, you might be like, oh, I'm starting to feel like, you know, the next generation has come up and am I still relevant? And like, but he's 50 years older than him. He should be like, this is this like is, my grandson. I've done everything. I'm one of the greatest rock stars of all time. Like, His legacy isn't in question and it's certainly not from fucking Harry Styles. Like, and I don't mean that as in like, Mick Jagger's untouchable and Harry Styles is shit but I just mean like I get some of the superficial surface level comparisons and then beyond that I'm like what the fuck are any of you talking about like it's chalk and cheese yeah yeah um, we're I was gonna do a kind of a nice segue into talking about Harry Styles musical legacy on album tree <laughs> oh, did I wreck it? Da- no no Dave <laughs> oh sorry Dave wrecked it yes. we've got audio let's hear this I'm super intrigued Hey lads, how's it going? Greetings from the spire near me. Listen to what's on the radio. Hey! <laughs> Rhythm Divine! Now, if that's not a sign that my holiday is in fact underway, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what is. Love you, Tremendous. Love all you. And Fanula. He knows you're doing the show with us at the moment and he says... Yeah, which is why he hastily added, love you all, but <laughs> I've taken note of that, Dave. Um, rat. The incredible sounds of Enrique Iglesias there, of course, with Rhythm Divine, one of the most magical pop songs of all time. But has Harry Styles managed to conjure up a few <laughs> magical pop moments with his third album, Harry's House? We're about to find out. Let's take some audio and then we'll get into it.
Harry Styles there, grape juice with some whistling, keeping it all tied together nicely. Oh, thank God, actually, because I was thinking, like, how do we link this back to Harry? And we we do. Well, he's whistled thankfully. on. He whistled on Fine Line, right? Like, can oh, you? Oh, he did. A, Sorry, he did. Of, yeah, he likes a bit of an L whistle. Yeah, um, we'll get into that later on. But yeah, Harry Styles, fresh from reading a bedtime story in his pajamas on CBBS, mm-hmm. just adorable. Um, everyone's favorite it boy. Um, the yummy brummy himself. I don't know. <laughs> Let's this have a bit of it. is incredible. <laughs> Former One Directioner. Yeah, so Harry Styles. Um, we're fans of him on this show. Now, 28 years old. Um, we've been seeing his face kind of on TV screen since I think he was 16, right? Like the X Factor where um, him and the lads came third, I believe, after being put together by Simon Cowell. And then yep. had the last laugh when Simon Cowell just signed them to Psycho Records or whatever he calls it um, he spent five years with One Direction um, bit of a fan favourite probably the main guy or the most likely to break big I guess uh, it was probably him and Zayn at the Definitely, time Zayn is obviously yeah, going off the I track a little say, bit yeah him Zayn Maybe Liam at one point, how the mighty fall. We won't even go there. But one yeah, the world's it's definitely greatest motors. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> oh. He's very much back. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I always had Harry pegged as like the cheeky chappy Robbie one, like with the tousled mm. hair. Um, and it turns out he's maybe just Gary Barlow as well and all of them. Um, but <laughs> like essentially things have been going extremely well for him so his first solo album arrives and he's clearly been like listening to Bowie and cribbing a bit from Elton and we reviewed it on the show uh, self-titled um, preceded by Sign of the Times which was this kind of really self-confident bombastic um, Bowie song and it was a lot of um, 70s rock and roll pastiches so yeah Mick Jagger was probably like oi oi what's going on here <laughs> um, my senses good, are tingling yeah it did good business and you had the whole like Rolling Stone cover feature with like Cameron Crowe interviewing him um, and them announcing he was now like a rock star so that was it was clearly that was where he was going um, and even if that album wasn't the best to my mind like he's done He's, you know, he's got the charm, he's got the cheekbones, he's kind of incorrigible. Um, and he's done a really good job, I think, of like curating his influences and tastes. And he's definitely evolved in the years since. So like Fine Line came out um, 2019. Um, much improved, I would say. It was a good vibe. It was kind of got great critical notices. Um, it was an album that he said was all about having sex and feeling sad, which is kind of what you want from a pop record. Uh, but he's a bit of a renaissance man as well. So like Face of Gucci. Um, he's got his own line of like nail polish, I think. Uh, didn't he co-host? He co-hosted the Met Gala with like Lady Gaga and a bunch of people. He's also like a bona fide mm-hmm. film star. He's in Dunkirk. And... Um, yeah, he's just kind of, he's got it all, he can do it all. But he kind of says, I'm just a music fan who happens to make some. And that brings us to Harry's House, which is, I guess as the name implies, um, a COVID record. Is that fair to say? Like, it's definitely a bit of a lockdown record, right? It's a bit of a hang. It's like very LA, as are a lot of his stuff. He's kind of streamlined his team uh, that are that's around him. So it's it's the kind of songwriters and producers that were with him at the start, but he's just really um, got those guys involved and got rid of the kind of more superfluous people uh, around him. So Kid Harpoon, Tyler Johnson, Samuel Withy is there. And what they've put together is 
something that finds me like leaning a bit into like new wave. Um, there's a lot of funk and soul there. It's very tasteful. Um, and the way he's talked about it is with his first album, he was terrified to make fun music. Um, so his quote here is like, because I'd come out of the band, it was like, if I want to be taken seriously as a musician, then I can't make fun music. Um, he said it was bowling with the bumpers up, playing it safe, which is fair enough. Um, and then second record, he said it was freer, but he was concerned with making really big songs, which he thinks he's now kind of questioning. Um, so he says his goals at the moment are smaller but to him, far greater. So the quote is, I just want to make stuff that is right, that is fun in terms of the process, that I can be proud of for a long time, that my friends can be proud of, that my family can be proud of, that my kids will be proud of one day. It doesn't sound that small, but I suppose when you're a massive rock star, it kind of is. <laughs> um, that Fanula Jones will be proud of. Um, I'm paraphrasing at this point. Is Fanula Jones proud of this record? Um, I guess to start off, did you come into it with like preconceptions, hopes, dreams for Harry, any Harry baggage? And then how did you get on with the record? I 100% came into this with expectations, which I think okay. might have affected my view of it. I have a very specific memory of hearing Adore You or Fine Line and yeah. being like, we are really on the precipice of like the pop star moment that I've really been like longing for post One Direction. I think we thought we'd get it with Zane and Zane gave us like one kind of good album and then obviously went away and did a lot of other not great music. Niall is in his like singer-songwriter contemporary. He's probably been the most Robbie-esque of all of them. Yeah, fair. And done yeah. better than any of us thought he would, but he still hasn't kind of scratched that pop star itch for me. We won't talk about the other two. Sorry, Louie and Liam, but whatever. <laughs> but I remember hearing Adore You being like... Can we talk about Liam for at least 10 minutes now? Okay. No, 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 no. Um, but I just remember being like, this is, this is, this is a banger. This is huge. And yeah. this is like, it's fun, but the songwriting is good. He sounds good. He sounds confident. Um, and then I remember Fine Line came out and... I felt I was like he's nearly there like he's yeah. all the pieces are there but are uh, most of them anyway but he's not a he's not 100% the way there for me yet and I was like this is going to be it especially hearing as it was like that's again that perfect balance of like you've the fun and the lightness of how it sounds and then lyrically it's a bit more you know uh, insular him looking in uh, a little bit sadder, more nostalgia, but like sounds great. Like it's such an earworm. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is the album. This is going to be it. Like I'm so excited, whatever. The album obviously came out. I listened to it and I was a bit like, this is nice. Good to hear. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know where we were going there. <laughs> Haven't checked it out yet. But <laughs> um, so it was, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I My first run through with this, I was like, this is pleasant, but there's kind of nothing beyond that. I will say like, it's definitely his most confident. Um, I think he isn't leaning on his influences as much as a crutch. I think there's some moments where it's like, he's really bringing the contemporary into it. And those are the songs that are strongest for me. Um, right. I think vocally, he sounds probably better than he ever has. Sonically, it's really nice and very cohesive. Um, I think the lyrics do let it down in places and I there's some parts on some of the songs where I'm like they just there isn't the momentum isn't carried through from the verses into the choruses and like that's where I'm kind of like I just I wish 
I don't really have that same moment. It's made me look back on Fine Line and be like, you really do have like song after song after song where you're like, this is a moment, like this is really good, like in every single way. There was a few here where I was like, oh, if you'd just like put your foot down on the pedal a little bit more and committed a little bit more, I think we would have had the full fantasy. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? What did you come away from it feeling? Like, is it is it slightly too tasteful or something? Is it, you know, it's just at a slight remove or there's... It's too I, easy I, listening at times, maybe. I, I think that's the best way to describe it. I wouldn't be annoyed if someone put this on at a party and it was, like, nice to listen to driving, but I didn't really have... I'll, I'll say it again. Like, there wasn't that, like, aha moment where I was like, this is a banger. And I don't think every album needs to have a banger, necessarily. Um, but it's just, I feel, I feel like the aesthetics were prioritized, which is sure. completely fine. Like, I don't mind a glossy, you know, song where it's like all kind of imagery and it doesn't really mean anything, but you know, it sounds good, it feels good, whatever. But even at that, like, I just don't really think he fully committed. And it's this whole thing of like, you know, he was saying about this being his most personal record yet and whatever. And I know they all say that to sell records. And this was obviously came at a time when he was even more in the spotlight with his relationships. And as you said, he's doing more acting and everything else. But I just, I I didn't come away learning anything else about him really at all, to be honest. No, particularly by today's standards where every kind of major pop artist seems to be using the records almost like, as like a therapy session. I mean, Kendrick literally doing that last week but he's very kind of guarded and like there is definitely still a veil there it's a really nice mm. veil you would buy the veil like it's yeah. lovely texture and stuff um, but yeah I, I kind of have I've been harping on for ages you know that thing of like he needs the classic songs where's the big song that matches his kind of personality and star power and as it was is like a nice lead single but wasn't quite there for me and uh, yeah, I've got to say with this, like pleasant is probably the word. Perfectly like kind of satisfying from my first listen. So like last Friday afternoon, post Kendrick review last week, I was like, okay, I'm going to get stuck into Harry Styles now. And the sun was out and I was like having a lunchtime stroll and I was eating like a Sicilian chicken sourdough thing. And Ooh, um, it was like I was in a Harry's house song. <laughs> yeah. In like one of the boring <laughs> verses, you know, there's no infinity pools and cocaine, but uh, there was like an empty pit beside Custom House Key and I had to go back to my desk. But it was kind of blissful and comforting and I was enjoying it. And I was like, this is what pop's kind of all about. Mm. And he's a very, throughout the course of this record, he's a very like genial host. He's got great taste. Um, it's it's not too pastiche like he's been in the past. I agree with you, like where he's, he's wearing his kind of influences more lightly. It's like, mm. oh yeah, he's just got like a good record collection of his gaff that you're passing by and it feels natural and he's just enjoying playing that kind of stuff. And a song like Grape Juice, which we just heard, I instantly vibed with it. Um, but like, of course I did because it's essentially like Paul McCartney doing a Ram era song, you know, it's cardigans on a Scottish farm and it's like domestic bliss and like chirpy DIY recordings. Um, so it's he's very, with, it's very tasteful. Yeah. Go on. It's the same with like sushi restaurant and, or like music or sushi restaurant and like late night talk. And like, it's, there's a formula there that obviously works where it's like, you have this like mad scatting and baseline and it's just like you know, cut like the the horn section and everything. I was listening to a podcast during the week where it was like, I think they wanted, when they were working on Made in the AM, which was the last One Direction album, they wanted like more horn, or Harry specifically wanted more horns on <laughs> Olivia. 
Right. Um, which is ironic now because he has a horn for Olivia. Way! Sorry, that was awesome. And that's that the show. <laughs> um, but I think this was this was the record where it was like he really got to do everything he wanted in terms of the embellishments and everything else. And like, it works because like, Sushi Restaurant is a groover. Like if I get tickets to the Aviva gig, I'm going to be bopping along to it. And the same with kind of late night talking because it's just that thing of like, you know, that ascending pre-chorus like it sounds all it all works in the ear but at the same time there's it's something about the payoff or something I don't know it's just it doesn't just quite get there for me ever that's kind of like he knows it like music for even that title which he said was just a comment someone actually no I think he was in a sushi restaurant and he heard one of his previous songs and he was just like, oh, I'm making music for a sushi restaurant. And then he's like, I actually like how it's like ambient and it just fits in with people's lives and stuff. So maybe when he's doing that kind of very kind of accomplished, like prince light, funky stuff, and it's great, um, that's kind of what he's going for. But it doesn't mm-hmm. make for his like prince level pop song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And weirdly, I think for a pop record, I really like I... I had no problems listening to this the whole way through. I enjoyed every kind of listen. I enjoy it more, I think, as a whole than me picking out songs and being like, this is definitely going in my playlist. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would probably drop uh, Little Freak. I just felt Little Freak's like... Little a weird one. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's the least... I think it fits the least sonically and it reminds me a lot of like his the latter work he would have done on One Direction and I suppose even nearly that self-titled album and I just I don't know Lyrically, I just like, it's it's felt like a throwback where because he's got other songs here which feel quite evolved and like a song like Boyfriends where he's kind of it's almost a bit too nice guy I to me I hated Boyfriends yeah, I think glad that's you said like that. <laughs> I, I found it because when I'd heard because obviously he played it for fans at, like, or at pre-shows or whatever I think we played it at Coachella actually and obviously people took the lyrics whatever and it was doing the rounds on social media when I read them I was like Harry no please like I can't I've spent a lot of time defending him against you know the people who are like he's pandering whatever I'm like he's not he doesn't have to this is so so pandering and it like again sonically I don't actually think it sounds bad I was expecting a lot worse when I read the lyrics initially to be honest but it's still God I would I would drop that and I would probably drop Little Freak, it's just like... Yeah, because Little Freak's the polar opposite where it's kind of, it's gorgeous sounding and sensitive and stuff. And then lyrically, it feels like the first album, or just it could be a Motley Crue song. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm just like... And also, I don't... There's some songs here that are clearly aiming for sexy. Like, it opens with him talking about, like, I could could cook an egg on you. (laughs) And I just don't think he can do sexy in, like, song form. No, and I'll tell you what, I think the best example of that is on Cinema, which is a song that I actually do really like. Um, And then it kind of loses me towards that end where he's on about the, and it's again, it's definitely the only reference to his relationship with Olivia Wilde, I think anyway, the most like overtly obvious. Very much so. When he's on about like, I bring the pop to the cinema, whatever you, you pop when we get intimate guillotine, sorry, like if he had just not had that line, I would have been like. (laughs) There's something, I don't know, other than the fact that it doesn't rhyme, first of all, it just, it doesn't, I don't know, it's, you totally get taken out of whatever fantasy he was trying to conjure. It's just, and again, I like, I like the course, it's like really smooth and like, he's like crooning over the mic and as I said, he, you know, he has that like, it's like the bravado mix with like, oh, he's a little bit shy because it's like a new relationship, whatever, but then he just kind of fumbles 
fumbles the ball a bit at the end for me. I don't know. It's, oh, it's, it's frustrating because I'm like, I see what you were trying to do and it's not even that you failed because it still works like 80% at 80% capacity. But there's so like, there's those little things like that where I'm like, and I grimace and I'm like, you did you just didn't pull it off. Yeah, I think he's much better when he's just being like kind of lyrically breezy and talking vaguely about stuff. And it's that L.A. kind of California hang thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, And when he's very much in his almost like dad bag in terms of aesthetic, like it's all cozy, like 70s, middle of the road. Mm. There's there's Yacht Rock touches. Um, Little Freak sounds like it could be Crosby, Seals and Nash. And then the lyrics just kind of weird. Um, Mm. I another reviewer, it might have been Fantano, pointed out that he, it seems like he's been listening to a lot of Ezra Koenig, specifically the last record, Father of the Bright, last Vampire Weekend thing, which yeah. would make sense um, because it is that, like, it is very much all about, as you said, like the tasteful palette and reproducing mm. sounds in a really nice way. So it makes it a good, enjoyable experience. I don't think the songwriting's on that level. Um I loved when he leaned more into the rockiness. It, uh, like, that's what I found kind of like when daylight just kind of careens off into this massive, like, oh, oh yeah, the synths are great in that. Yeah. yeah. And the same with Satellite. I was kind of like, I wish you did more of this. But then I know that's pr- like, again, an album of that wouldn't really have fit the aesthetic I think he was going for. And I'm not sure if his core audience would have been like, this is a bit of me. Um, and also, I'm an, a John Mayer apologist, hate to say it, a terrible person I know, but like, just... <laughs> is he a really oh. terrible person? I thought he was just annoying. Are you going to... Oh, he's maybe a bit... All I know not, about him not is... Not great he's, with women. Not great uh, with women. Okay. So. He's like a watch collector and he's he's good on guitar, so I, I could probably yeah. assume that. It's also, um, um, if you're <laughs> to believe the rumours... <laughs> oh, go on, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, if you're to believe the rumours, because um, obviously Taylor Swift in the midst of re-recording all her albums, whatever, and 1989 is seemingly the next one. There were a lot of rumours that she was going to re-record Style with Harry yeah. Styles, Great who song. the album Love is, that. who the song is about, yeah. allegedly but it is um, but now I'm not so sure because if John Mayer is involved in this record and they obviously had a very bad end of things and she's going to be coming for him whenever she re-records uh, that second album Speak Now and Dear John John Mayer is fully going to go into hiding so that John was Mayer releasing but, yeah. releasing an album called Sob Rock last year was just like I was like fair play John Mayer that's good like really lean into the 80s divorce core vibes mm. he even had like a nice price sticker on it so I threw on the record I'm like I don't like any of his songs he seems to be a pretty decent guitarist but he he completely like there was a couple of songs where you're like this is you know gated drums he's going full Phil Collins on it he's going like awful Clapton I'm loving this and then he just abandons it for like really modern pop songs and so John Mayer will disappoint you is the big takeaway from the <laughs> Harry much, Styles review pretty much but I did like what he did on this and I as I said like I satellite and daylight are probably my I would say actually my favorite songs because I just thought they were the most interesting. Um, I would I would probably agree and late night talking I think when the synths come out like there's moments where he's almost touching on yeah more modern sounds or mm. you know just like the drive soundtrack if the drive if like drive was recreated by dinky cars it's all very <laughs> kind of colorful little toy box stuff yeah. but it works yeah. really well um so sonically it's great he's a he's got a good voice um he's likable I think there's more levels to him I just I think I want more <laughs> 
And I, th- I think it's going to be the next album. I'm just, I'm the exact okay. same. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have gone in with this expectation because I, I suppose you're going from someone who didn't had very little musical experience coming up through X Factor, who's still only probably fully just getting to grips with his songwriting and his identity now. So maybe that was too much of an expectation to have on him. But again, as you said, a nice record for sure. I've heard worse and I will definitely hear worse for the rest of the year, but just not, not, not the home run, not the pop home run I wanted, I think. Yeah, I'm feeling maybe a six, but also like a recommend it. And if you've listened to this podcast and you like the same kind of stuff as me, you will find this quite enjoyable. Like, I, I think I said to someone when I had my first listener too, it's clear that he just likes all of the same music as me. and I would probably like his company and that's great. Like, I'm just getting on with this record. So a recommended six. What would you give it? Uh, yeah, I was, I was on 6.5, I think. Okay. Not too shabby for Harry. Teetering, yeah. And the whistling was immense. Knocked it out of the park. 10 out of 10. Will Grape Juice feature in our top five? Probably not, because that would be mm. ridiculous. Mm. Let's find out, though, as we move into our final section of the show, the main event. It's our top five songs <laughs> with whistling in them. Was there any parameters you put around this, Fanula? What was your rationale? What was your checklist? I did. I, it just had to feature whistling and that I liked it. <laughs> So that will be that will be become so apparent science, when I folks. go through my uh, when I go through my top five. Okay, do you want to kick us off? Seeing as you're a guest. Oh, um, of co- oh, I thought you'd never ask. Great. Um, All right, let's get straight into it. Uh, oh, okay. So this is my number five. Uh, it's Jason Derulo, Ish Girl. Incredible. Incredible. I feel like we're going to have slightly different lists. <laughs> are you not Are you not brought screaming and roaring back to the heady, the heady teenies, as they call them? Yeah, but that's me most weeks, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> was this a big song for you, FJ? It kind of was, to be honest. Um, this is his uh, second single from his second album, Future History, which came out 2011. August 9th, the day after my birthday, if anyone's... Updating Happy their birthday. birthday card list. <laughs> Happy birthday for them. Um, I, I just love this song. I think it's a very good pop song. Um, it's like the lyrics are ludicrous. He's a very good singer. Whatever else you want to say about him. And also his the way his career trajectory has gone with speaking of TikTok and artists and people picking, piggybacking off that. Like his career is pretty much full-time TikToker now. So there oh, you really? go. In oh, a good way? Like has yeah. he found a proper the proper channel for his art? Well, I mean, I did I hear something, someone's going to have to fact check this after, but I think he, and I'm not sure what country this was in, but he was the first artist to have a number one in every decade. So like the noughties, the teenies and this decade. And it, this was off the back of, like TikTok kind of rebooted his career because, right. now not in a great way because he was like kind of robbing sounds off TikTok and making songs out of them, even though they were already from other artists. There was a whole issue there. I think it was sorted. I think he said, sorry, and paid money. I'm not sure, whatever. I don't <laughs> condone that, right? Okay. Um, but I just, I, we did an episode on Jason Drulo for Bandwagons. I'm not sure if it was for Patreon or for the main page, but when we went into 
the breadth of his catalogue. He's a very good pop artist and he has some absolute dog shit clangers, right? It Girl isn't one of them. It Girl is incredibly good. It went to number 17 in the US and it went to number three here because we have what? Taste. Taste, Craig. Um, Another man with taste. Lyrically. I'm trying to move to Adam there. Adam's had his hand up for about two minutes. Yeah, uh, sorry. Sorry, Sonic Adam. Ar- Sonic Architect Adam re-emerging from the Matrix. Um, I <laughs> have just fact-checked that for you. Yes. Um, oh, great. As of 29th September 2020, the platinum-selling crooner, crooner, <laughs> has crooner. become has become the first and so far only solo artist to top the Billboard Pop Songs chart across the 2000s, 2010s, and now the 2020s. There you go. There you go. Now, the ones in the twi- the ones in the 2020s are not good. Like, they're all dog shit, but I want to get... Th- this is the golden era. Like, um, I lo- This is from the Wikipedia page. Lyrically, it revolves around Derulo singing the praises of the perfect girl he found after searching all over. Um, as he says in the first verse, in which he says, I've been looking under rocks and breaking locks, just trying to find you. <laughs> Incredible. Sorry, so, very good. Amazing choice to kick us off. My, my thinking on whistling was that it can be a bit naff and cheesy sometimes. You've completely turned me around. Um, but I, do you know what? I think in the wild, how do you find whistling? Because I can't stand it. When you think of like the main examples, you know, when I put this up on my Instagram story looking for other uh, examples, someone sent in the Sunday game theme, right? Which okay. <laughs> was wrong type of whistle, but whatever. And then Flo right, obviously the whistle song, which I find yeah. quite irritating. Um, yeah. But this is very good. I think like, it dep- I think it depends how you utilize a whistle, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think sometimes uh, it's I'm like the ultimate earworm. Versatile. Yeah. So the way I've gone, Fanula, <laughs> I'm going to set the tone for my top five. I've gone kind of wistful because okay. <laughs> a whistle when used in a minor key can be quietly devastating. And um, here's my quietly devastating number five. So it's, of course, the Scorpions, everyone's favourite West German rock band, <laughs> with winds of change and um, the whistle being that very wind. See, is very clever. Um, it's actually an optimistic song, I think. It's supposed to be about, like, the fall of communism and, like, Russia coming back to the rest of, of the Western world. And um, Scorpions are still around. They've changed the lyrics to this song in, you know, the past couple of months um, because, of course... But yeah, this is a song that started with the whistle. Uh, it's like an interesting story. There's a whole, uh, I should say, there's a whole kind of um, conspiracy theory around this song. Okay. And I believe there's a podcast, like an eight-part series, investigative series called Winds of Change about how, um, I haven't listened to the whole thing, so I'm not sure if it's true or not, but apparently the CIA wrote this song to bring down communism. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> Which is crazy. But it makes me think maybe like you could encode information in the whistle. Like that is a very alien sound, that whistle there. It's forlorn. It's like an it's upbeat, very haunting. Like, it's not doing something to our brains. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and when you say that it's supposed to be a happy song, I was like, that's not the vibe. I'm like, I'm sad. I'm wistful. I'm looking out the window, waiting for my husband to return. Like, yeah, yeah, and he's not coming back. Kind and of, and he's vibe. not coming back. Right? <laughs> 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 Karl Marx has got him. Yeah. So the band seemed to like they insist that they wrote it, and we're going to believe them. Um, okay. There's some interesting what did he say? quotes. <laughs> So apparently it came together when they were performing at the Moscow Music Peace Festival, which was a two-day hard rock Woodstock um, staged in Lenin Stadium. So this is crazy. So it's like uh, we've just had... No, I don't think... No, we haven't yet had the fall of the Berlin Wall. And you've got the Scorpions, you've got Ozzy, you've got Skid Row, you've got Motley Crue (laughs) playing... (laughs) Behind the curtain. <laughs> that sounds like a CIA op, doesn't it? Yeah, the more you to talk, be honest. the more I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, they were so inspired by like seeing all of, all the people, so many people um, loving capitalism and rock and roll um, that the main guy, Klaus Meiner, came up with this melody. So he just like whistled it and he's like, I'm not a lead guitarist. So I just whistled a thing and I whistled it to the guys and then we wrote the song around it. And then they get into a whole back and forth about, which happens time and time again with these kind of songs where it's just like, rock and roll and whistling, man, doesn't go. No one's going to buy it. It's too out there. <laughs> Your career always... is going to be over. <laughs> oh my God. There's stacks of quotes of like very behind the music stuff of like Doc McGee, like legendary manager Doc McGee was like working with them. And there's all these quotes of him saying, oh, let's see, have a look. Um, so yeah, one of the band members was saying, Doc McGee said to us in the studio, you know, I could just see it. You put out this record and all the promoters, they get out there on stage and they say, ladies and gentlemen, here they are, the Scorpions. And they whistle. <laughs> <laughs> so Doc was a big champion when these guys were like, I don't know, it's not going to work. So Doc himself says, it was actually someone in my office who was talking to a record company and the guys there were saying, they got to get the whistling out. <laughs> I went, you're crazy. You can't get the whistling out. It was just as much a hook as anything in the song. And yeah, Klaus was like making the point that like guys like John Lennon and Axl Rose had done it before, but there was this whole thing in the studio where they wanted to replace it. But anyway, it worked perfectly. There was no way to put a lead guitar or something in there. And they made the right call. It was a massive song. The rest of the song was like fine. I like I considered it for a power ballad thing. It's not really a power ballad because it's too political, I think, because um, I've got lots of parameters. <laughs> but it's it's not as memorable as the whistle. So that's why it's in my top five. Incredible. Um, someone go, who go is someone who is very memorable to me and will live in my memory forever is uh, Hilary Duff and her song. <laughs> you spoil the song again. <laughs> oh, do I have to not us. say the song? Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I won't tell you the song, but it is It sounded a bit like Scorpions. Like, I had the same uplift. Do you know what I mean? I wonder who she inspired by I'd, the fall I'd say of communism. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sure she was. Uh, that was Sparks by Hilary Duff for her fifth studio album, Breathe In, Breathe Out, from 2015. Um, That's how you whistle. By, there you go, yeah. 
produced by Christian Bloodshy Carlson and Peter Thomas. Um, and there was additional writing from Tove Lowe, my pop fave. Um, was released April 7th, 2015. It was the album's lead single. This was like her comeback in inverted commas album because yeah. she'd gone away and was doing TV bits. She was in that show younger. If anyone watched that, um, was desperately trying to get Lizzie McGuire back on air, but in which a uh, Lizzie McGuire in which she would be allowed to shag. But again, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> she kind of got her way with how I met your father. So, you you know, she's fine. Um, I, this is a, this is a funny song to me because you're not familiar with the song at all or the video. No, no. Okay. Even better. So the music video was released the following month in 2015. And it was essentially like sponsored content for Tinder. So it you see like her going on like loads of Tinder dates and her fans were fucking furious about this. They were oh, like, really? you need to give us a proper music video now. Like we need a proper pop moment because they loved the song and really like believed in the song and yeah. getting her to be kind of, you know, a main pop girly. So then less than a month later, she released a new version of the video. And if you look it up on YouTube, like it has in brackets, it's like Hillary Duff Sparks in brackets, fan demanded version. Um, there's no <laughs> Tinder great. dates. Um, it's just her. And she's as like choreography to the song. Didn't really go anywhere for her. Didn't provide the comeback that she probably wanted. It was it peaked at like 93 in America and went absolutely nowhere here. Um, it was our fourth top 10 hit on the dance chart in the, in the US, I will say. Reached number one on Hong Kong radio and it did chart in Australia and Canada. What so year was it. this again, sorry? This was 2015. Yeah, so I feel like, did she just miss a kind of wave? Because I felt like there was loads of kind of whistly based songs having a moment, maybe... Well, just how the song sounds in general as well. It's very kind of all yeah. that time. Um, okay. But like, depending on who you speak to, if you're ta- to talk to any of the pop heads or any any members of the LGBTQ community, they go hard this for this song. This was a big song. one. Yeah, they okay. they say justice for Sparks. You know what I mean? Um, maybe the world wasn't ready, Craig. You know, it sounded maybe great to me. It it it's very good. It's a very good pop song, and I will I'll go to my grave saying that. So. Be like your last words. <laughs> Justice Sparks. for Sparks by Hilary Dove. Um, okay, let's switch it up. Um, <laughs> here's Bi- here's Billy Joel talking about a suicide attempt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not Joel, I'm pretty sure. First time, I think, on the show. The Stranger's the song from the album Stranger, which kind of made his career. And yeah, this is like a very sophisticated bit of whistling. (laughs) Um, Very sophisticated. There was a lot of options where... like having that vibey ambient moment of whistling an intro and then launching into something. Um, like Gold Frap have a really good one. Um, Guns N' Roses did it with Patience to less success. Um, Lovely Head is the Gold Frap song, I should say. Didn't quite make the cut. But yeah, I just love how he just smashes into that kind of rocker moment there. 
And I'm, oh God, am I, am I a Billy Joel apologist? Maybe Sounds I am. Like I must be. Sounds yeah. Like, like I like this album. I don't really know much else. Um, lyrically, it's about like the different faces people wear kind of to get through the day. And he said it was kind of based a bit on a half-hearted suicide attempt. He he had at 21 um, where he drank furniture polish, something <laughs> like that. Just quite heavy. Um but yeah, like at the, at the time this album came out, he was on the verge of being dropped by Columbia. And then this kind of just hit big, like just the way you are is on it. Vienna's on it, which is gorgeous as well. There's a lot of great stuff. It's, yeah, it's listening to it. It's a bit like he's kind of Bruce Springsteen for people that like summer in, you know, the Hamptons. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a bit bougie. But he is very good, like, in moments that aren't, like, Uptown Girl. Like, I think, I don't know too much of his catalogue, but that's definitely a good record to check out. And again, there was the thing of, like, he came up with this, he whistled it to his producer, who I think was, like, Phil Ramone. And, uh, like, um, he kind of says, Phil, what, what instrument do you reckon for this? And Phil just goes, you got it, buddy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, that's it. And he's like, what? Whistling? You're crazy. And then, of course, the rest is history. But no, it's a really good song. Um, uh, it's very kind of, yeah, evocative, cinematic almost. You can strut about to it a bit as well. It's a good tune. And I was wondering as well, because it's, it's quite intricate um, and haunting. I was like, does he still like, because he's still gigging quite a bit. Does he whistle this himself, like, on stage? That's another thing I was considering. Like, do the artists rock the whistling parts or do they have a thing? And I watched a few things and he doesn't, right? So yeah. he starts at the piano and then you just get, like, this disembodied whistle. And I couldn't see who, if, if anyone on stage was whistling. I think they just piped in the whistling and yeah, it kind of so. was a bit naff. I, I, I felt like he should just... Yeah, he should have just whistled it. Yeah, don't be a coward. Like, you, if you if you, you were good enough to do it on the original, you can do it live, you know? It's you a know, sign of a true artist. paid, what, 150 quid probably to see him. Yeah. And you can't just... I do think, though, that for some reason, whistling into a microphone on stage would be more... Like, that kind of melody would be more daunting than even singing. I feel like you could mess yeah. up that kind of whistle. It's so easy to fuck up a whistle, though, you know? If your mouth isn't wet enough, you know, if your mouth <laughs> is too wet. Yeah, it's a lot of variables. Yeah, okay, he's got the, he's the pro. We defer to Billy Joel and that's my number four. Let's <laughs> have your number four. Great tune. Uh, Craig, I'd love to ask, um, have you ever been starstruck? when I met this band 303 at Oxygen in 2010 when I was 14 with my mum <laughs> at the hot rest end. Oh really? Incredible. I swear to God and then we were like front row in a tent at them and I was like 14. Did you have I a proper have moment? Like were they cool? What was the, what went down? One of them was, one of them was nice and then the other one was like, seemed like he did not want to be there. I'm talking didn't about want to Sean be in a press tent. <laughs> did not want to be in a press tent, would you believe? Signing, meeting 14 year olds and their mams. A mam was like, oh, you're very good. And this is your first time in Ireland. I'm obsessed with her. Anyway, I am, of course, talking about Sean Foreman and Nathaniel Mott, 
from 303 and this is Starstruck. This is the remix with Katy Perry. Um and this was the version that kind of found success. So the second the second single off their second album Want. So the first single was Don't Trust Me, which has the incredible lyric, do the Helen Keller and talk with your hips. Not great. Not oh. great. Yeah. I mean clever but clever, you know, regrettable. Regrettable. Massively regrettable. Um this version with Katy Perry had a lot of success kind of everywhere. It was in the top 10 in Australia, Belgium, Finland, Poland, the Republic of Ireland, and the UK. Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fuck I the like queen. Um, People are nice, though. Yeah. When they talked yeah. about getting Katy Perry involved, um, their quote was, Katy did this because we toured with Katy. We are good friends with Katy and we worked on the song together. We worked on the remix together, which is the epitome <laughs> of like, I have to finish an essay. So I'm just trying to flesh out the word count. Like, we yeah, get it. Like, you're so. friends. You got her on board. Um, again, I just love this because it's such a time capsule of a time and I remember this is very like YouTube era this sti- this is like 157 million views on YouTube this was just one of those I don't even know how to explain it because obviously I look n- back now as an adult and I'm like that's not great their whole attitude towards music and women and lyricism not great the entire crux of this song is a wolf whistle the video sees them you know, there's it, like it's based off of that when when in Rome that movie where there's like right. magical coins thrown into the fountain and then all these women find them irresistible and then at the end of the movie or the end of the music video it's like they're hallucinating and they're just thrashing around in the fountain together and like Katy Perry's there purely just to be like sexy and Katy's like I'm going to use this as leverage for the rest of my career. That's why we know <laughs> Katy Perry now. We don't really know them. Yeah. Um, but there is. It's a little bit of a banger. It's a little bit of like an earworm but in other ways it has aged like terribly just sonically and everything it's just so it's so funny watching like how quickly the styles and pop like fall out of favor and move on to new things like if this was released now this would go absolutely nowhere um but I just love it. I love, I love, um, oh, and I just remember thinking like the lyrics were so edgy at that time in my life when it was like, <laughs> L-O-V-E is just another word I'll never learn to pronounce. I was like, oh, cutting. And I'd be singing, I'd be like, yes, I have the confidence of these men from America. I didn't. <laughs> That's all you um, needed at the time. It's all you needed. All you needed. Full confidence. Um, I have no idea how you're going to follow that up, to be honest, Craig, but good well, luck. Okay, we're going to go from a wolf to a bird. An Andrew Bird with Sisyphus. Um, that's from 2019's My Finest Work Yet. Um, renowned jazz violinist, multi-instrumentalist, renowned whistler. So like he had to go in, I think, because of how like prolific he is in terms of getting whistling into his songs and in not being grating or awful. Um 
So yeah, for people that don't know Andrew Bird, um, who I also interviewed in Opera Stent once, and he was very nice. We didn't talk about whistling. And now I'm like, oh God, I need another interview with him. Missed opportunity. Um, yeah. But he was like trained, like quite a serious man um, in terms of like his art. And he was trained in the Suzuki method. Do you know the Suzuki method from like the age of four, which is basically... It's this philosophy of like teaching people how, like about music in an environment that's like, like the same as you would teach people language. Do you know what I mean? So from a okay. really young age and they're just constantly immersed in it so they can just play everything like really quickly. And it worked because he can kind of do everything. But he's got a real thing about whistling. Um, so there was loads of stuff that I could have gone for. I went for this one because it's very, it's very kind of Serge Gain's work. It's got like the French bass line and it's got like the acoustic guitar and it sounds really cool. Like it's one of the few bits of whistling and I listened to a lot of whistling this week <laughs> where I'm like, this is cooler than a guitar solo. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of, you know, throwaway and flippant and it works. And um, there's also, <laughs> there's a nice kind of thing of just like how reviewers have dealt with Andrew Bird constantly whistling. So someone put together a compilation of like them discussing his whistling in different albums over the years. And some of it's just like, <laughs> some people are a bit like, oh, don't love the whistling, but other people get really into it. So from like going back to 2005, um, Bird's whistling can't be understated. He turns what could be an annoying sound akin to yodeling into a lilting, wondrous bird song floating above the plains. <laughs> Um, he's famed in the indie rock world for his whistling, says Minnesota Public Radio. Oregon Live said, Andrew Bird's whistle could calm tense hostage situations. <laughs> when Andrew Bird whistles, charging rhinos stop and hug. Ryan Seacrest realises how obscenely overpaid he is and gives money to charity, children and talented people. Oh, a bit of a bone to pick there with. <laughs> from the Oregon Live. That's Andrew Bird's power. Um, Charleston City Paper, Andrew Bird's whistling is the shining diamond embedded in the gold band of song he's been developing. Spinner said if whistling were a martial art, consider Bird the Bruce Lee of the indie music craft. And then more recent <laughs> reviews have been like, I think, oh yeah, so Andrew Bird can whistle. You know who else can whistle? My friend's grandpa, it was Red Eye Chicago. And then very few rock dudes have mastered the human whistle like this man, I guess to sum it all up. But yeah. Renowned. Had to include him, Fanula. Fair. When someone is as skilled as that, it's important to recognise it, I think. Hats off. Okay, you're runner-up. Let's do it. Craig, I want to see your pom-poms from the stand. Oh, so good. It just never gets old, does it? I feel like I'll redeem. I'll I'll, I'll bring some people back with this. Um, (laughs) Gather round. Redemption required. Frank Ocean. I know. Frank Ocean, Forrest Gump. It's the 16th uh, track on his debut album, Channel Orange. Um, It's just stunning. It's just everything, even without the whistling. It's just so evocative, so beautiful. The lyrics, the imagery, everything he brings to this. And then I just think that that bit at the end that we just heard with the whistle, it just stays with you. It's like haunting in a really, haunting's maybe not the right word, but it stays with you. It's just, 
the way he's kind of the way he world builds in this song as well and obviously yeah. it's like massive references to the actual film Forrest Gump um but I suppose when you consider the time that this came out at um and you know like this potentially serving as a metaphor for the feelings Frank potentially had for the man he wrote about in the Tumblr post in which he effectively came out and you know it's just it's so hard not to be in that position and in that story when you listen to this and there's like when you compare it to other songs on Channel Orange where it's you have uh what like bad religion where it's like he's kind of grappling with this identity and it's really sad and there's no kind of sense of optimism there um and th- but like and then a couple of others obviously like thinking about you is so sad it's so mm. sad this is like kind of you know i think that whistle is almost like a to be continued like signifier at the end of a song and you're looking wistfully into the middle distance it does um, have a lot of meaning like it's character building without it's like it does more than lyrics in that space could do i guess right mm, yeah for sure for sure it's just oh, I, they like the my fingertips my fingertips my lips they burn from the cigarettes it's just it's a perfect song if ever there was to be like you've to put a song in a museum on display as an example of what a perfect song is. In like, Iceland. This yeah. is it. Yeah, yeah. Next to all the penises. <laughs> Peni. Um, this is it. It's so good. Great choice. I love it. No further comments. Um, my runner-up. And this was my first kind of thought. This was the first one that came to my head. Um, so, I guess, first thought, second thought. And this this is an obvious one. Here we go. Keen was trying to get me to pick this and I knew you'd pick it, so... Oh, good man, Keen. Peter Bjorn and John, um, young folks. And people are probably maybe groaning because it's just like, has it become a thing where this was just so ubiquitous? Are we ready to fully admit that this was a brilliant, brilliant song? Like all the ingredients should have added up to quite an irritating like ubiquitous indie pop song, but it's just brilliant. Like when you go, go back to it, it's very wistful. I think it works for me because like the it, the whistling in it's really bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's flat and it kind of is, it's like falling over and it just sounds really dejected and like it again, it kind of says a lot. Um, it's Vic- Victoria Bergsman on vocals. I think it's one of the, the lads whistling, I don't know. But um, this was kind of huge in a small indie way. <laughs> but 2006, yeah. Takes me right back. You're right. That, like, it's, this was, this was on so many TV ads. This was such a moment. Yeah. Like, but as you said, it's like. That's kind of a problem though, isn't it? It doesn't. It's, it's well, a bit home base like, isn't it? <laughs> but like, it kind of doesn't lean too far. It has all the elements that it's like, it kind of should annoy you, but it just doesn't. It's, yeah. again, it's one of those better examples of like time capsules. You're like, this is nice. That was a moment. I remember that. And I can still kind of enjoy it now. Yeah, it takes me back to doing the Leaving Cert, summer 2006, this and I think I was going to an exam and this was playing on like the strawberry alarm clock and then they played like razor lights in the morning. 
And like Forest, the lyrics yeah. were like, in the morning you won't remember a thing. And I was like leaving the gaff. I was like, fucking hell, what? Is it, why are they playing this? <laughs> and then I remember um, grabbing some links and spraying myself in the eye. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Being blind for half of like a fucking Irish paper. Obsessed uh, with your well. trauma dumping here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I like it. I can ruin this song for people, should I? Because it kind of got a bit ruined for me this week. It's only okay. a minor. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm open so, to things being ruined. <laughs> One song fact I stumbled across was The Whistling has a tune reminiscent of The Oriental Riff And if you don't know The Oriental Riff You kind of soon will So like think of Kung Fu fighting And like think of Turning Japanese And I'm like Oh that's a bit dodgy isn't it Like obviously That is a bit dodgy Like they're not doing that I it's okay. Adam's got a fact, or he's got a confirmation, or he's got an opinion. Let's uh, hear. <laughs> well, the last of which, God forbid, but um, I have an example of the Oriental Riff, if you'd like me to. Oh, play. yeah. Yeah, give it to us. Definitely. Right. Jesus, that was a particularly egregious one, particularly with the gong. I just. Mm. <laughs> it's just Scandinavian enough and wistful enough to. Let it slide. Mm. Let's move on. Just. Just. Okay. All right. Let's have your number one. <sighs> My number one. I've waited. I don't know what number appearance this is for me on No Encore, but I, I said, come hell or high water, I'm going to get this band. <laughs> I'm going to get this band on No Encore. And I have as my number one. I'm not passive but aggressive. Take note, it's not impressive Empty your sadness Like you're dumping your purse On the bedroom floor We put your curse in reverse It's our time now If you want it to be more like I could just be singing here all day Sorry, I'm just <laughs> in my own world That was The Kids Aren't Alright by Fall Out Boy oh, My babe. We come full circle Oh my emo darlings. Um, that was the uh, third release from their sixth studio album, American Beauty, American Psycho. It was all very, lots of movie references and lots yeah, of other, sure. they're very referential anyway to most people's chagrin, but I love them. I'm obsessed with them. Um, this came out the end of 2014. Um, and I remember this was like released as kind of like a promo single and uh, the other singles didn't really grab me. I would say this is their last like, if you like them, if you don't, then you're not going to pay any heed to this. This is their last, like, because he reviewed the most recent one, Mania, which is, is not great. Um, when Dahi lived here in these times. Um, is this... <laughs> RIP. He's, he's still alive. He's just not here. No, I'm getting wistful. Yeah. Um, and this was, uh, this is their last, like, quite good album. And this is like, I think they just get back to the crux of it it's the emo bangers it's the sadness it's the songs about depression this is 100% yeah. it um even the whistling with this i think it's kind of layered i'm not sure who is whistling on it but it seems like there's more than one person but they're it's like a, the same tune it's a whole chorus it's like yeah. it's very it's almost militaristic like it's yeah. there's something yeah i think that's kind of the vibe and then towards the end like all the other instruments fade out and it's just that whistle part um, it's Patrick Stump's favourite song on that record. He's a singer. 
Um, kind of again, didn't really go anywhere. Um, I think it got to like 189 in the UK, which is not great. Um, obviously robbed or reference from the Offspring, who robbed it from the Who. Um, I just love it, and I love the particularly that bit that we played, like that second verse is j- just fucking kills me lyrically. It's uh, it's our time now, if you want it to be, maul the world like a carnival, bear set free. Your love is anemic and I can't believe that you didn't see it coming for me. It's just, I love it. I love, like, I love this band. And I, the minute I was like whistling and I was kind of like, hmm, racking my brain. I was like, this has to be my number one. It's so good. Like so sad, so emo, quintessential emo. But that's why I love it. And that's why I love them. So fair. Fair. You make a very strong case. You didn't go to MCR. Um, will you be going to the Hella Mega Good Hella Mega Tour? tour. Yeah! yeah. Um, I'm trying to convince Kean if he'll go with me, but like I kind of don't really. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this as well. I kind of don't just really want to stay Boy, for. Yeah, I don't. I'm not for really Weezer? I want to see Weezer for or Green, Green Day. Day. <laughs> no. I know. Uh, and people are going to be like, I you're staying for the I've wrong seen band. Weezer. But. I've seen Weezer at live and they're fantastic. Like they're great crack. They'll like knock out a brilliant version of like Africa. Do you know what I mean? Okay. They're, oh, they're yeah, just yeah, crowd yeah, pleasers. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they're good. They get the kind of joke now and they've got great songs. So I would say, I presume that they probably switch order every night. If there was a way of knowing who was going first, you could easily just get in some I Weezer for and Fall Out Boy. I think Fall Out Boy first because surely they're like the least... And then Weezer, then Green Day, right? Green Day are the worst so, yeah. band, though. No, sorry, I, would I don't argue. <laughs> As in, like, the most people would be, or the band most people are going to see. I think, anyway, I don't know. Watch well, this we'll space. If out. I do, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure Come to back on the back. show. And yeah, yeah, it's happening in June, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fully more on okay let's go to my number one and I've been inspired now actually to make a dramatic change Adam I haven't had too many pop moments I want a big pop moment I'm not going to stick with the sinister whistling vibes <laughs> I've been going for Adam if you could play and this might be a slight spoiler the clip I sent you called Jagger Me Baby to take us out had to be number one after all of that discussion. <laughs> I'm kicking Twisted Nerve, the stylishness of Twisted Nerve to the curb and yeah, it's moves like Jagger. It's the boy. There's no moves like Harry Styles. Um, this is tremendous. This was one from uh, what I think Ryan Tedder of One Republic called the Whistling Revolution in pop music that he talked about. <laughs> of course he did. Of so course ago. that's what he called it. Yeah, This was the best one. It's just... I think the whistle in it is possibly going to be annoying, but the song is so undeniable that that melody, it just works. It works. It's cheeky like Jagger. The song is perfect, except for, I think, sadly, Christina Aguilera is a bit like, I don't know what she brings. It's, It's totally fine. She delivers, but I'm like, I don't know if I needed that extra ingredient. The perfect pop song is right there. They, they definitely didn't need her. I don't think she necessarily takes she away from it. Tra- no, she yeah. doesn't. But I'm um, not sure she was on the same. Like, that's... 
you know, this is the Beach Boys doing good vibrations. Yeah, you know, if I you're hopping in the studio at that moment, you've got to bring it. She's coming in on a different song, I think. And it's, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, I take your point. Um, such an earworm. And again, so I'm repeating myself, which must be so irritating for anyone listening. Such a time capsule for that time. Like that's like, if you were to think of that quintessential, we're just coming out of the noughties at this point, I think. Cuspy, yeah. aren't we? Like that is, that everything on the charts wanted to be that or was like trying to replicate that kind of, sound and it's just like I love it it kills the parties and there's a reason for it like it's good like yeah you just can't replicate it um no. as Mick Jagger might say in an interview <laughs> with the Sunday Times <laughs> um, I think I was just possessed by the ghost of that rhythm divine clip where I'm like no we need to go out with a banger so that is our top five Woo! I had fun wow that was a wild ride we've come to the end of the show I'm really looking forward to getting uh, Dave's response to this (laughs) to all of it yeah Yeah. we we wait Um, you the listener will have to wait another couple of weeks I think we're off next week because I'm going away to Primavera touch wood if I don't like get COVID or something I'm just getting very anxious about like have you had it I haven't had it yet so I'm like you know hang on when are you going when do you need to get it I'm going next Wednesday so should I just be at this stage I'd I just need to stay indoors. I think actually you just need <laughs> away to stay from indoors. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, what yeah. I'm going to be doing. There will be content for you guys next week. I believe we might put something out as ever. And Dave will return. Um, and maybe I'll drop some audio in from a field somewhere in Barcelona. But until Who's then, playing Primavera again? Sorry, you cut off your side. Who? Who isn't the Strokes? Um, pavement. Tyler's playing, which I'm very excited about. I believe Nick Cave is still going ahead, despite the, the oh, sad, sad passing of the song. Yeah, yeah I think that, that's still going to be a thing. Um, it's really stacked. At this stage, I'm just like, I got the tickets. Pro- I probably bought the tickets. No, I was going to say around the best time you were last on the show, but it's longer. It's three years, maybe, I've got these Jesus. tickets. So I just want to be there and like, <laughs> we'll see if I get there. But, Have yeah. the best time. Thank you. I've just had the best time because we had Fanula Jones on the show. It's tremendous. Always great. Um, It won't be too long um, until the next time. Maybe Dave will get you on soon. But uh, yeah, Fanula J on Instagram. Yeah. Bandwagons, not a thing anymore, but you'll pop (laughs) into the warehouse maybe. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Yeah, I'm on Instagram chatting shit. Um, I'm sure I'll be other places. Who knows? Cool. Omnipresent. Um, (laughs) Yes, most definitely. Also, omnipresent on this podcast is the wickedly talented one and only sonic engineer and architect and producer and ghost whisperer adam shanahan <laughs> it's tremendous you're gonna say something in your rubbishy little matrix my matrix mike um, just to piss off dave as always <laughs> it's just great to be here <laughs> okay a low energy finish there <laughs> see you in a couple of weeks buddy <laughs> um, and see you to the listener this has been No Encore there will be No Encore Craig Fitzpatrick see ya bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.